Now, one, you, you touched on, on telehealth. Um, let's talk about that for just a second, because you still have in, in this profession, you, 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 you've got a lot of, you know, there's a division there. You got, you got the people that are very much proponents of telehealth saying it's inevitable. Clients want it. That's the way it's going to go. You got to do it or be left behind. It's time to embrace it. We're there with technology that, you know, is making it, you know, viable, you know, get into it. And then you got the other side that's saying, there's no way I can't diagnose a dog. If I can't palpate the dog, you have to look at so many things. If I could misdiagnose something so easily, because it seems like some symptoms missing other symptoms, you wouldn't know to, to ask for. And, and, you know, that animal's going to die. You just can't do it because they, the dogs and cats, cats can't talk. They can't tell you what's wrong on their own. So it's very limited. And, and, and I think that there's some truth really to both of the sides, right? It's not, it's not a black and white issue. Um, but you, you, you said something really interesting uh, the other day uh, about this that I, I thought, I thought really kind of tied it together. Well, um, what, what's your, what's your feeling? What's kind of the message you have on this issue? My dear practitioners, you're already doing telemedicine. You are giving people advice over the phone. You are, um, you are helping them. You are triaging whether or not an animal should come in or not. There are, there's under an umbrella of telehealth, there's two buckets of, of areas that require a veterinary client-patient relationship, VCPR where you have to be able to diagnose and, and treat. And that, that part is still pretty, pretty solid. You know, we, there's some states where we can establish a VCPR um, uh, virtually, but there's other states that you can't still. And then there's this other group in telehealth, which we're already doing. And I think we could do such a better job in. And this is, this is the area of advice giving, of uh, triaging whether or not uh, that lymph is a serious limp or not, whether that rash is a simple rash or maybe it's bruising from uh, immune mediated disease, um, whether or not that reverse sneeze is really a reverse sneeze or is it something more serious. And, and there's a, a bunch of work we can already do in that, in that tele-advice, tele-triage space that doesn't require VCPR. And it's just the same as when uh, your client calls you up on the phone and says, should I bring my pet in? Um, and a lot of the times the answer will be yes, but if there's some that there are no, you don't need to, um, you have helped alleviate the pressure on your team and you've also provided an excellent service to your clients. So you're actually already doing it. Um, just because you use the word tele doesn't necessarily mean it automatically means you're doing FaceTime with a dog and trying to evaluate gait and all that kind of thing. It can just be um, by communicating virtually and, um, and you're, you're already doing it. You've been doing it ever since you got a phone. And, uh, and so now it's just picking out what else could you add to what you're already doing to improve efficiency and, and decrease the burden on your staff and improve service to your clients. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that this is an area where certainly um, there's been a lot of wisdom that uh, along the lines that, that, that you just shared in that there's things you can do and, and you got to, maybe there's, you know, and there's things you can't do. But just identifying that really clearly and helping people understand the flow chart of the conversation, you know, and, and where that can go. And I understand that that flow chart, because of the depth and breadth of veterinary medicine, can get really, really wide very quickly. There's a lot of options there. But um, I think as more of that, you know, information comes out and gets solidified, 
it might it might really help that conversation. There's not enough resources on that right now. Is is AHA working on putting out those types of resources? How nice of you to ask, David. Yes, we are. We're actually working with our friends at the AVMA to do um, telehealth guidelines for small animal practice. So they are in the works right now, and uh, we have an incredible task force of experts that um, are writing them, and will be consolidating their wisdom. And we hope to get the guidelines out sooner rather than later so that we can really help our profession. But we're very uh, excited about that. So stay tuned. That is fantastic. I know it's something that here at Genius Vets that we'll you know, be looking at, at uh, uh, very closely um, when, you, when you come out with those so that we can uh, help to implement technological solutions that can help you know, move those conversations along. We've already got some, some really interesting things we've been doing with some, some clients in that direction. So. Um, I would love to benefit from the wisdom of, of AHA and the AV, AVMA and those guidelines. Uh, telemedicine and telehealth. And I know that you just had the virtual, uh, the veterinary virtual care summit. Um, so uh, let's, let, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, how are you fighting the resistance from veterinarians that aren't on board with telehealth? Well, you know, we called it virtual care because it's more than just telemedicine, but, but I don't mind using either phrase, uh, which we, gave it a, the association a different name. We're already at 3,200 members after three months, which will put us in the top, I think, 10 or 15 of, of veterinary associations. So there's a lot of interest, yeah. but a long way to go. Um, COVID's had a lot to do with that. For four years, people have thought about it, tried it here and there. Some have gone all in, but most haven't. And COVID changed that. Is there still a core group that are skeptical? Sure. And, and the point I make and our association makes is you don't have to use it if you don't want to. Sure. Nobody's, nobody's proposing that there's a law that everybody has to use it. It's simply, if you're comfortable as a veterinarian with your training in getting started with the client through like Zoom, like we're doing here, um, that's your judgment. And, and, and why get in front of that? And then there's myths about it. Uh, there's myths that it's all substandard. It's not below standard. You know, you, you do what you can. You don't do surgery over the phone. You know, you don't do that. But there's things you can do. And so uh, we had a great response to our summit. We had six hours of programming. And we really aimed every session, David, at getting not specialists, but getting practitioners comfortable with how you might use it. And there's tons of resources now. I mean, there, there, there's no excuse for not learning about it and trying it because the tools are there. Um, and you don't have to shut your practice down. You don't have to turn all your staff into technology geeks. You know, you can outsource. There's many ways that you can deliver a telemedicine experience um, and you can make money on it. That's the biggest skepticism people had is I don't, I don't want to just give advice over the phone. Well, I'm a lawyer, you know, we always charged, you know, <laughs> what we did and, and people, and, and, and it's insulting to say to a veterinarian, I wouldn't pay for your advice. Right. You're, I'm talking to you because you know something. So, uh, But helping to, to get a more, you know, full embrace of, of what, you know, the, the future will be of this. I think veterinarians really need a flow chart to the conversation. Yeah. What are clearly the things that you can do, you can't do? Um, we had a session, David, you, 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 it's a great point and a great question. We devoted one session specifically to that topic of, of what are the things that naturally work in a telemedicine digital context and what are the things that don't. So don't worry about those. 
Um, and then what are the different ways you can, you can do more than you may be doing right now that are easy to do? What are things that a vet tech can do very, very well? And, and we spend a lot of time just on basic blocking and tackling. Uh, do you have that as like a PDF or a presentation? Yeah, yeah no, you, you, you can still register for the summit, which is free, by the way. Go to vvca.org. You can register, anybody can right now. And all the content is up for 90 days. So okay. another 75 days. So yes, and, and then we have what we call uh, 10 Mythbusters, uh, wonderful videos that BI did. On, on the myths about telemedicine. And, and uh, I, I'd encourage you, because you can watch you know, 20 minutes and then come back in two days and watch another 20 minutes. Um, you know, I interviewed two uh, experts from Ontario, Ontario, which if it were a state, you know, it's, it's where on, Toronto is, if it were a state, it'd be the fifth largest state in the country with 15 million people, very sophisticated. They have completely legalized VCPR and telemedicine, um, period. They've had it for three years. Zero, and I mean zero, literally as of the day of filming, no complaints registered with the state board or the provincial board wow. about any injury or harm to an animal due to a telemedicine experience. That, and they that, said, that, it, and they, incredible. They, it, they said, David, that the best fact for veterinarians, it pulled people into the clinic. Yeah. Because yeah. What, where are we at right now with the VCPR state by state in the U.S.? How many are on board? How many aren't? And what do you think is going to be changing soon? Well, VVCA is going to have something to do with that. I'll, I'll say number one, um, we're not nearly where we need to be. So of the 50 states and plus District of Columbia, the 51 jurisdictions, um, three don't have a VCPR in their statute. So you could do it anyway. But the rest... Um, don't allow or don't think they allow for a VCPR to be created through telemedicine. And we're working on that. And states are going to begin to experiment with different ways to stage it to get people comfortable. And that's, that's what you need to do. And you mainly need practitioners using it with their existing clients at such a scale that they turn to the state and go, wait a second, this works. You know, how much longer do we have to do this? And that's what happened in human medicine. Yeah. Everybody fought it at first. Now one state fights it, and 49 say, of course you can. And, and it's really tied to, you have somebody in an apartment in a city, you have somebody 60 miles away in a farm in Eastern Kentucky, they're not driving to a vet. So why not make it comfortable and convenient? Yeah. And there's actually no good argument for not. So and, by and pushing together those, those legislative changes, I mean, it's all about building your case, right? Yeah, um, sounds to, sounds like something I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, to be able to collect all that data. So, I mean, are you are you positioning your organization as the one who's who's doing a, a lot to to collect that data from existing practices or yeah, you know, clients the, to make that case? The association, the Veterinary Virtual Care Association, that that'll be one of our four big missions, and, and we're going to be all over it. I mean, we already are. My group, Animal Policy Group, I've written almost as much as anybody on the issue, advocated gone in front of state med boards, debated people at conferences. And that's, you know, so no, we're going to be all over it. And I, I think it'll take time, um, but success breeds followers. And, and it's going to be the success practitioners have that pulls their friends in, their colleagues, the, the women they went to vet school with who try it. And suddenly it's like, why aren't we going to do this? And, and that's where this is going to go. And, and it won't be a downhill ski race. We're not going to just fly 
down the hill in one year and have 50 states on boards, but you'll begin to see states look at it and go, this makes sense. Um, so I, I'm, I'm optimistic, but it'll take some time still. You know, uh, Mark, this has just been just a fascinating conversation. Um, I think the, the whole industry, certainly everybody who's, who's, who's watching here, our audience today, I think they can all see that uh, we've got a great, you know, champion for the industry out there in you and your group that's going out doing some really important things, move the industry forward, um, you know, help open up some pathways that are going to lead to a, a prosperous future, profitability, um, and still running things the right way that's, that has the, the animal's best interest. Uh, in heart. And so just on behalf of the whole industry, I mean, thank you so much. No, appreciate it. It's, it's fun and, and a lot of work to be done, but I'm uh, enjoying it and lucky to, to have stumbled into the, uh, into the profession 15 years ago. Oh man, I feel the same way, you know, and just what a great, great profession with just, you know, high ethics, moral, fantastic, smart, good people. So it's a, an industry really worth helping.